The House Show. For over one year, the revolutionary force in retro sports entertainment podcasts. This one goes out to all the gorgeous ladies. The Retro Network, The House Show Podcast, and Fabergé Organics Shampoo proudly presents to you this detour on the path through the decade of decadence. As we turn the house show into the house glow. Now let's welcome to the stage your trio's tag team champions. The mass library, Kevin Hellions. The educator of excellence and sweet Maddie Treats. Now strap on your spandex glittering thongs because there ain't no business like glow business. Welcome everyone to another edition of the House Glow. It is me as always, Mr. Maddie Treats, and I'm joined by my trio's tag team partners. To my right is the educator of excellence, educator we're here we're in may can you believe it it's may baby oh my goodness we are so close to the very end of the school year tiptoeing we're looking at like six weeks away until the end of instruction can't believe we made it this far oh got to power through buckle our chin straps and just get to the end baby yeah i can't believe it's already a few days into may it's nuts to think about um, but, uh, you know, we also have Mr. Kevin Hallians, the masked library with us. Kevin, are you healed from your exfoliating uh, incident? <laughs> oh, just fresh and clean like a six foot two inch daisy. Just feel like you got a whole new whole new skin on me. Whole new lease on life. I also I, I, I should, though, because. Um, uh, I might be in trouble. Oh, soon. yeah, why is that? I had, I had, ten comics come in for me yesterday, and that's my light week for May. May's a big week, right? Oh, May, May's. I got a lot coming out in May. There, there's a weekly series in May that I need every. Now, my question for. to you is, Kevin, uh, wasn't the like first Wednesday in May like the unofficial start of like. Um, like free comic book weekend is usually around this weekend, right? And now was that yep. because of Marvel movies? Yeah, because usually there's a big Marvel movie in May, and that kind of kicks off the summer. So free comic book days, whatever Saturday, is around that okay. same week, and all your big publishers will release one title for the day. No. No, not every comic book is in the store is free, people, because every year there's people that show up and just grab piles and think they can walk out the door with them for free. That is not how it works. Each publisher has their own one. Marvel's usually, here's our big story for the summer. DC, the same. Other ones like Archie, I don't know, maybe they would do like a Riverdale one this year or something like that. But yeah, because of COVID and all, it's pushed back until August 14th this year. A little later than normal, but it makes sense with COVID throwing everything off. Yeah. Uh, makes it does it does make sense. Um, so one, I want to welcome. Uh, I'm sure Adam and Joe are listening because they loved Glow so much that they're back again for round round two. 
you know, so welcome guys. Appreciate that. Um, so, but, but I have a big issue to talk about you guys, not, excuse me, to talk with you guys about, um, Oh, this, right. woo, I was about to get chastised. No, no, you here. guys are great. I love you guys. Uh, oh, I, I will right. tell you who I don't like. Just give me one second. Let me Uh-oh. pull up here. Do I need to go on Discovery Plus again? No, this is not a Discovery Plus thing, oh. okay? Um, I'm going to single out Joe Pairing. Now, where's now where's Joe okay. Pairing from? Let me see here. Who's Joe Pairing? What is Joe Pairing? All right, Joe Pairing from Perring? Illinois, you son of a bitch. We're going to get right into it. Uh, so here I am on Macari. And there is one thing that I want, okay? And it's the most ridiculous thing I think I've ever seen, but I love it and I need it so, so much in my uh, my collection here. And that is the WWF Remco Shootout Hockey Game. Now, are you familiar with this? Oh, yes. Oh, man. I have seen it. It is beautiful. It's ridiculous, right? I mean, you have Jake the Snake using Damien as a hockey stick. Uh, t- it's almost like you got Hasbro's on a hockey rink. It's, it's mm-hmm. ridiculous. It's, it's great. so yeah. ridiculous and absurd, and I need it. I, I I've been looking for it. Um, they go f- pretty expensive here, right? Um, especially one that's in pretty. I mean, if you if you could get one that's minty, you're talking in the thousands. Um, new in box, uh, you are talking. I don't know, a couple thousand dollars. There's one on eBay that's for ten grand listed right now. Um, to to find any that's loose, to that have all the parts, because really you're missing. You got little pucks that you got to deal with. Um, you just have a lot of like little parts to do it. You're still looking in the mid, you know, five hundred dollars, four hundred dollars, six hundred dollars. So on Macari, I'm just going through. I have vintage WWF is one of my saved searches and I see that it's got a little notification a little little man in the boat if you will right there okay little so when you see with that boat. little man in the boat you gotta punch it right Kevin you've taught me that I, I don't punch it I softly caress it and give it the attention it deserves okay. but anyways so I see it and it says 1991 Remco WWF hockey game $250 oh baby I said I need I'm like, what's wrong with it? Number one, why is it so cheap? Free yeah. shipping. I scroll down to the description. It says, you know, has been used. Some of the stickers are appealing. I mean, this game's from 91, so that's expected, right? It's 30 years old at this point. Um, only has one of the hockey pucks. Doesn't have, I think it may have came with two or three. Um, but that's about it. I said bye immediately. As soon as I read that, nothing really major with it was was not a lot of there's really no damage and what i mean by that no cracks or anything like that so click click yes i want this this was a friday okay so they get three to five business days to ship out i don't hear anything uh obviously nothing on saturday nothing on sunday uh nothing on monday on tuesday i get a message that says hello there's a delay in shipping the item because i am trying to find a box I will update you as soon as it ships. And I'm thinking, awesome. This is great. I love everything about this. Five hours later, I get a message back. 
I looked into shipping this item. It's too big. It's going to cost me too much. I'm canceling the order. No, that's your fault for listening. Listen, Joe Pairing from Illinois on Macari. I declare vengeance. You need to report that listening. I would. Yeah, I'd, I'd, yeah. I'd open an eBay case on that one. That it's, is his it's one. It's not eBay. It's Macari. No, there's Very nothing sorry. I yeah. can do. There's no. Uh, there's got to be. Recourse. There's no reporting. There's nothing. I just get my money back. I'm very frustrated because I really want. Probably because McCurry just doesn't want to deal with exactly. it. Exactly, and that's and that's the thing is, but like, why are you listing this without having a box already to ship it? Like, like, what is your mindset? I, I, I wish there was someone in the importer exporter business we could talk about with, uh, so about <laughs> this with, because I'm frustrated, Kevin. Okay, so. Are you guys familiar with the Victoria's Secret mannequins that I sold? Oh, am I? No. What, what is uh, All right. What is this mannequin you speak of? So years ago, I was working at a store at uh, the mall, next town over. And we would keep our the back door into the mall hallways open to just get like a breeze going in there sometimes. Right. And I see all these like carts going back and forth. The local, the Victoria's Secret in the mall was being remodeled. So we got like a construction crew that got hired for the job going back and forth. And me and some of the guys would talk, you know, cause I see them multiple times a day as they're going by and I'm doing stuff back there too. So one goes by with mannequins and they're all like the pink and white Victoria's Secret polka dot mannequins. I said, hey, can I take those? And the guy's like, yeah, sure. And you know, I laugh, I'm like, no, I wasn't asking. He said, listen, I can't take anything cause it's part of our contract. Do you know how much these sell for? No, sir, I do not. Because I'm going to just park the cart right here, go do something else, and you make a decision. Like, all right, whatever. <laughs> so I look it up. 150, 200 each. Okay. There's 10 of them. There's also small ones that are just the butts for the to model the underwear. Just the butts. I took all of them, put them right in my car, drove in the carpool lane on the way home. <laughs> I posed. I set them all up in my kitchen and laid in front of them posing. The first one I sold, I measured the mannequin, the torso, for the shipping. That is not the size of the box it goes in, though. That was my mistake. I was still new to eBay at the time. So when I found a box it could actually fit in, I spent 50 bucks just on the shipping. So I had to eat it a little bit. I made some money for something I got for free. Right. But not as much as I could have. But lesson learned, I got all these other ones to sell here. It took a year. I sold them all. Eventually. I don't know who bought them. I don't care. Sold them all. Very good pickup and all. But when I knew I messed up, I did not email the the buyer and say, Hey, I messed up. I'm canceling the order. I ate it. Because it's my bad. I think that's just good business. Yeah. Uh, like I said, I'm very frustrated. Joe Pairing, Illinois. I declare that. That's all I'm saying. You'll get yours. Don't worry. You'll get yours, good sir. Have you, have you looked up if there's like a, a comic store, a toy store, a sushi buffet in that area of Illinois? Because I think we got our next road trip planned. Um, there is a new toy store in my neck of the woods, gentlemen. That's what I want to do. Uh, when are we uh, getting back together? When is the crew getting back together for a day trip? 
gotta be sooner rather than here's later, what i'm man. thinking man i gotta i gotta here's what i'm thinking i think it'll be hard for you guys to get another overnighter but it could be come down leave early sushi lunch hit a couple toy stores boom call it a day I don't know if someone's bought anything for my birthday. I could just say, you don't have to get me anything. You just gotta let me leave. You do have house. a birthday coming up. Uh, uh, you know, you're. I, I mean, my my two hundred dollar comic racks are kind of my. Yeah, gift. you know when your birthday is coming. What day of the week? I think it's a third. Oh, it's it's a next Thursday. week, baby. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> the Kevin birthday spectacular taking place. Uh, the second annual Kevin decent birthday spectacular taking place. So we will. See. Oh my God! Use my shoot name oh, yeah, too. That's right. That's Jeez. right. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, everyone, get your birthday wishes sent in to uh, at Maddie Treats at uh, yeah, just at Maddie Treats. Get me on Twitter. You can send birthday wishes in. We'll add them in. Uh, surprise, Kevin. I won't let him listen to the episode beforehand before we go live. But uh, yeah. So who's gonna do the notes that week? I don't know. Maybe <laughs> we go noteless. You ever gone noteless, Kevin? <laughs> I mean, just in school, and that kind of explains my yeah, grades. Yeah, you go noteless, and apparently, you only grab debuts. So there you go. But that's what you that that's what you got to do. Right. That's what you got to do. Um, are you guys ready to get in some to to glow? Nanachka's rain part eleven, and apparently part twelve. In part twelve, we will go over that you know later in the episode. But uh, by the way, I have a great commercial set up for this week already. So uh, I will I will mention it later so uh but why don't we start once again in the women's locker room uh then of course we were at beautiful las vegas at the riv the riviera uh we have our card breakdown we see a shampoo commercial uh tiffany's glow gossip and then we get our glow wrap um that leads to match number uh one on the card and uh we're starting off with mtv guys Right. We got MTV taking on Babe, the farmer's daughter. Um, And can you believe they would start with this match on Sweet Lady Liberty Day? I can't believe it. I'm a a little concerned about whoever put the uh, put the show together here and that they're not following the format that they established at the start of the match. The way they made it sound, it was going to be Zelda and Godiva as the main event. And uh, no, they decided to do a little switcheroo here. So uh, kind of threw me off a little bit through the show, but first match with MTV and Babe, it was uh, a decent outing. I'm sorry that MTV couldn't pull off the victory, but you know, it is what it is. I, I have been wondering because sometimes when I'm I'm writing up the matches for the the previously mentioned show notes, um, I won't have my notebook in front of me, so I'll go online to be like, oh geez, what matches took place on that episode? And there is always one match missing that we have watched on the quote you know official write-ups for sites it's missing so i kept thinking like did this air in different orders different formats edited more in other areas um because speaking of editing there's two spots on this episode where someone's about to be hit by something and it cuts and then the hit already takes place yeah so I'm wondering if there's like a, I mean, you can't have violence against women and, and the way they're wrestling is not violence against women, but these certain moves are too far. So do it, have it implied, the live crowd saw it, but do not air it on, you know, your Saturday morning or afternoon syndications. 
Yeah. So, uh, Educator, why don't you go ahead and start bringing this one down for us? Absolutely. We see the start of the match with MTV shoving Babe down to the mat. After Babe had started making fun of MTV's singing ability at the start of the match, MTV rams Babe into the corner turnbuckle. We see MTV with two effective knee drops and a big splash, goes for a pinfall attempt, only gets a two count from the referee. MTV attempts for a second splash but ends up missing. Babe counters with a Boston Crab for a few moments, but eventually MTV powers out and flips Babe over onto the campus. Babe retaliates with a big wrist lock and a roll-through takedown. MTV does counter with a double arm drag. Eventually, Babe recovers and does a double arm drag of her own. We see Babe with a corner Irish whip and a double leg slingshot to MTV to catapult her across the other side of the ring. We see Babe with a big side headlock, and then she ends up ramming MTV into the corner turnbuckle a few times. We see Babe hit an Irish whip and a running drop kick that actually sends MTV over the top rope onto the floor. It was actually an impressive looking bump. Eventually, Babe follows her out. They brawl for a little bit. Babe eventually throws MTV back into the ring. She climbs up to the top rope and hits a weak-looking knee drop. We've talked about this, or I'd brought it up from a previous episode. Her top rope knee drops, not too impressive looking, but it must have been enough because after that top rope knee drop, she hits a weak-looking splash and is capable of getting the 1-2-3 pinfall victory over MTV. So I, I mentioned this before because this is one of the ones uh, MTV goes to hit Babe with her guitar and the camera cuts and then you see the guitar broken and everything. Uh, no, sorry, that was before. But you get a good look at the guitar on this one. Get a real good look at her guitar. I'm just curious, educator, did she pick that guitar up at your game store? Because that does not look like a Fender or anything. That looks like a rock band guitar. <laughs> a rock band was a thing back in 89. She may possibly could have, but didn't happen this time. Yeah, I was going to say a little bit early, but still looked it. Um, I've also, uh, it was Babe doing it. Well, kind of a little bit both them, mostly Babe. I've never seen a walking headlock before. And it happens a lot. Not grabbing the headlock as, as a wear down move, not grabbing it to catch your breath and, you know, let's whisper in the ear and call the next spot. Just flat out, I'm going to put you in a headlock. I don't know what to do. And I'm going to just do a lap around the ring. Well, a lot of times you see some of the girls, they'll do like a walking headlock, but then they'll leap up and turn it into kind of like a, a judo throw, hip toss, kind of like takeover. Fair, uh, fair, true. So, but yeah. I, what I've been noticing a lot is a lot of the girls like to do the headlock and then they kind of like ram like a bulldog. They ram the head into uh, the middle turnbuckle or the top turnbuckle. Um, that's like a common, common thing I've, I've been seeing a lot as we've been going through this series. It's so I was looking stuff up. The episodes were filmed uh, as a marathon pretty much for the season. I got to imagine they were all staying at the hotel as well. You know, it's probably like being away at camp. You know, you got your friends, you know, maybe there's a girl you don't get along with or whatever. But I do feel, and, and we can say, you know, experiences from college or whatever. It's like all of a sudden everyone is into something. Like every girl going out is going to order the same drink or everyone's going to play the same music and all. This group seems to all get into the same moves at the same time. <laughs> Because you're right, like the headlock, the headlock and the other one is 
they'll grab the headlock and then they'll walk over to the corner, walk up the ropes and then turn it around for like a spinning bulldog or, or whatever else. Or, or like a sliced bread, but it's just they kind of like backflip out of it and don't follow through. Yeah. Yeah. Constantly, it's like, oh, that's a cool move. I'm going to write that down, too. But no one has, like, their moves or right. anything. Right. You know, it's just it's just a shared from the pot kind of thing for it. it like, nah. It's just there. There's, you know, opening match for Glow that we've expected. I love MTV's personality, but not a good wrestler. At all. Loves laying those kicks in, those stomps. She, she does. loves that. Loves the stomps, absolutely. These boots are made for stomping. That's right, baby. <laughs> so we follow that up with Dr. Feel and Grope, and he's checking out Daisy. Um, there's a shampoo commercial. Then we hear some Zelda zingers. And then we get into match number two on the card, which is Liberty and Justice taking on Major Tanya and Nanachka. Son of a... Isn't this a match I wanted like two weeks ago? It is. It would have flowed better. Like and I said, have... you could re-edit Glow to make yeah. it flow better. Yeah. This match and then Justice is one-on-one with Nanachka. Right, exactly. Would have made Which so much more sense. Amazing. Exactly. Uh, what'd you guys think of this one? I mean, uh, it's Sweet Lady Liberty Day, so. Oh, God. Sweet Lady Liberty Day. Liberty given a plaque from the governor for her patriotism, you know. She's she's doing it. She's doing it for the rock, you know. <laughs> what rock? Plymouth? <laughs> for Plymouth. Morocco? Exactly. Mount Rushmore. Yeah. Awkward edit there. We don't get to see the actual spot of the, the breaking of the award over uh uh Liberty's head, but you know. Yeah. Kind of just is implied. Yeah, Kevin, was it, would this be done. the second uh odd cut of the night? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I'm like, all right, clearly the ward's fake. Sorry, but they're not even doing a good job of pretending this is a real uh, honor tour. Was Microsoft Paint a thing back in 1989? God, it was that. Maybe in Vegas. Yeah. Um, So I got to imagine it's not actual glass either. Like, there's no way. I'm sure she wasn't busted open accidentally. I'm sure it was like some sort of sugar glass thing. It looks... It, it doesn't even look bad on the mat when people land on it. And that's clearly right. there, too. Yeah, it's very but there. It is just hardcore edit out of there, though. Yeah. Such a weird spot. It is, it is a very it's weird the, spot. It, it's the syndication WPIX edit kind of deal. You know, this is what we're getting. Can't have too much violence on TV. Because, I mean, if you look at the rating system, it's like... Isn't it like children and family or something like that? And this is geared towards. It's like watching uh, a PG thirteen horror movie, like on right, cable, exactly. where they don't show the kill; they show the aftermath and stuff like right. that. So, yeah. um, but what did you guys think of the match? Um, it's it's checking off the box for that weird, you know, non finish kind of deal. We got to make sure we hit the quota for the episode. Is what it was. Um, lots of back and forth. Nothing really super impressive that I saw, uh, other than the tag team maneuver, the the double giant swing where Liberty and Justice end up grabbing Tanya, each grab a leg and an arm, and they swing her back and forth to toss her across the ring. That was that was a cool move, but other than that, eh, didn't really do it for me. And I'm a huge fan of Nanach's work, so you know. And you've got when the, when the glow champ is, uh, you know, 
not getting a clean finish. Kind of makes you wonder. As upset as I am for when this match is airing, and like Treat said, a re-edit would be perfect for this, for re-editing the order of things. There is a good amount of storytelling, and Educator will get to it, before dissension here. Right. And building up for a later episode. There was actual plot development here. I was shocked. Could have done a better job, but it's something. You could always do a better job, though, with wrestling plot development. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's always room for improvement. Um, but, Educator, why don't you go ahead and break down this one? So as we said at the start here that Liberty was given a plaque by the governor of uh, of Nevada for being such uh, for exemplary patriotism for her country. Uh, Sweet Lady, the play, you know, it's called Sweet Lady Liberty Day in her honor. As a result, Tanya gets into the ring. Major Tanya, not too happy, questioning the plaque. What's it for? Nanachka eventually also questions it. Eventually, we see that weird edit where it's assumed that Tanya smashes this. Uh, this award, this plaque, this whatever it was over uh, Liberty's head. So we end up getting the after that that little uh, bit there. The, it's a four-way schmaz for the ladies to start, where the Russians are essentially beating down the faces. But eventually the faces come back, and they hit a double clothesline, knocking both Russian ladies down to the mat. Eventually, Nanachka and Liberty, they roll out to the floor and continue brawling back and forth while we see Justice and Tanya in the ring. Justice hits a monkey toss to Tanya uh, while Liberty and Ninochka are going back and forth brawling on the floor. We see Tanya recover and do a corner Irish whip and rams a big shoulder into the corner uh, as Justice gets out of the way. Justice reverses an Irish whip attempt and ends up hitting a back body drop onto Major Tanya. We see Liberty and Ninochka do reverse Irish whips back and forth on the floor, merry-go-round style, where eventually Tanya is, uh, or I should say Ninochka is eventually rammed into the big glow pillar, uh, smashing the drywall with the big uh, the big company logo there. With N- Natasha now out and about on the floor, Liberty is able to get uh, assistance from Justice, and they do a double-team maneuver to Tanya in the ring where Tanya's laying on the mat. They each grab one arm and one leg, and they swing her back and forth and toss her across the ring. Eventually, Ninochka makes a major recovery, charges the ring, hurdles herself over the top rope, and hits a pretty stiff drop kick to the back of Justice. This causes Justice to essentially fall or bump into the referee, and the referee takes a major bump out of through the ropes onto the floor. All four ladies essentially start brawling. At one point, Justice eventually rams both the blonde Russian ladies' heads together. All four women brawling in the ring. Eventually, the referee covers from his big bump, calls for a disqualification finish, and as a result, there's no clear winner, and the match cuts to a commercial. So, uh, let me make sure here. Liberty, clearly a face, which is why the governor of Nevada wants to declare today Sweet Liberty, Sweet Lady Liberty Day, even though she's never been called by her full Christian name before and just Liberty. So, Justice being her partner is, of course, a face as well. And Nachka and Tanya, as the evil Russians in the 80s, are heels. Okay, good. So, um, let's go over who has treated Justice as a person with and given her any respect at all recently here. Um, dead last for treating her horribly 
we have stars of last week, Sarah and Mabel, who are coming out with the signs and, and how they treated justice. At the top, though, we have Ninochka for at least giving her a good match, bumping around for her, helping justice to look good. And, and there's more with Ninochka later on this episode. But in the middle here, for being disrespectful to our, our face, per, you know, our hero here, we have the fans who, when they're fighting on the outside of the ring and Justice is thrown into the fans, the fans start hitting her. I don't know if either of you caught it. And it's not like it was like powerful punches or anything. It was like said vicious level punches. But it is the only time I've seen the fans hit one of the gorgeous ladies when they're thrown into the crowd on them. <laughs> and of course it has to be Justice that they do it to. It's, you know, I mean, honestly, the way she's treated and stuff that said, sometimes it's like you're you're just gearing these fans up to to pull such a thing anyways. Um, I do like uh, the Lucha style rules for the tag matches and how all four can be going at it at the same time. But damn, it seemed like every single double team move was done right on top of the broken glass this time. Like you fought outside your tape show. Someone clean up the glass. <laughs> Just grab a broom <laughs> real quick, clean it up, protect your wrestlers. Again, I don't think it was like real glass and anyone was in harm, but it looks awful on there. Uh, I did like just uh, a little bit of the announcer was teasing a little bit of dissension for Nanajka and Tanya, kind of wondering what's going on. And I'm okay with the idea of, hey, Nanajka's. Nanachka enjoys the American lifestyle. She enjoys the freedom of it. That's fine. But the announcer is more pushing for Nanachka loves the food of America. Look, she's chunking up. I get really, because we complained about the fat jokes last week, and it really seems like he's not quite going as far, but it's still there. He's, he's still trying to, to push that line there. Um, to Nanachka's defense, the buffets in Vegas are fabulous. <laughs> I mean, you guys thought the sushi, all you could eat sushi was good. Let's go to the Caesars buffet. Oh my way. To be seventy dollar seventy dollar buffet, Kevin. Seventy dollar buffet cheese. To be the lecherous old man. I think Nanachka kind of her clothes not fit her as well anymore, and she's got her leotard hanging up and the pants hanging low. It's kind of like beta test Lita look for her. It's kind of cute. I'm digging it. You like she, it? Keep going, yeah, keep going to Vegas Buffet if that's what your body's going to look like. looks fantastic. Oh, jeez. Yeah, she looks. She does look good. Of course, you know, the educator over there, he likes He likes little Fiji. We found that out in the last episode. Little Fiji. Oh, baby. Um, so we follow that up with Godiva's Bare Facts. Then we get an MTV's Glow Connection. Certainly, she's recovered from her match earlier to be able to be <laughs> the AOK DJ at the Glow Disco. <laughs> Knew that was coming. Knew that was coming. I thought he was swerving us for a minute. <laughs> and then we go into match number three in the card, which is Godiva, of course, coming out on her horse and, uh, you know, being led by Beastie, taking on Zelda the Brain. This is the swerve. This was originally listed as the fifth match at the at the start of the show, and now they're putting in the number three spot. You know what? What are we doing here? 
this, we're not giving Zelda the nod. This not is the same the thing CM Punk complained about at WrestleMania. Right. Exactly. <laughs> main event. You know, no, a, main event goes on last. It's a triple main event match, uh, you know. Uh, well, what did you guys think of this one? I mean, there's a little storytelling in the, be- the beginning of it with the hair. Little storytelling with the hair and the and the gim and the makeup and whatnot. Zelda, of course, taking her typical bump, just getting into the ring. Uh, awkward finish, the uh, leg wrap up, roll up after the the weird final bump, just kind of out of nowhere. But it makes sense, obviously. Godiva is certainly much taller, much bigger girl, much more uh, impressive looking uh, individual compared to Zelda. It makes sense that. Godiva would certainly walk away with us, no problem. Uh, my concern was more with Zelda's hair care products. Like I'm, I'm almost positive I've never used a Fabergé product in my life. I, I should have, you know, after seeing these commercials, I want to. But looking at myself in the mirror, I think I've used Zelda's hair care products. That's yeah, same. Oh, terrible! It's awful. Um, I do remember Kevin when we were here WrestleMania weekend. You ordered a Fabergé egg omelet for breakfast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was it good? Chocolate and bacon go sh- surprisingly well together. <laughs> yeah. That was a Cadbury egg omelet. You oh, had. there it is. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so educator, why don't you go ahead and break down this one? So we see the start of the match. Zelda walking to ringside with a bag in her hand. She tries to do her uh, double-step leap over the top rope, but she ends up taking a bump and falling hard on the mat just to get into the ring. Zelda eventually recovers, gets on the microphone, says she has a beauty regiment that will help keep Godiva young and beautiful for forever. Godiva's initially hesitant. It begins with a little blush and mascara uh, on the face. I think it was more blush on the face, a little glittery blush. You know, and then, you know, Godiva's buying into it. And then we go for a hair care treatment that, again, reminds Godiva that, hey, it's going to make her look even more glamorous and beautiful. So as Godiva is on the microphone and allowing uh, Zelda to apply the treatment, Zelda starts brushing her hair. Big old clump of hair just falls out of Godiva, and Godiva's just not having it, and Godiva just flips out and hits a goes for a running drop kick when she notices that a big chunk of her hair is in Zelda's hands. But Zelda just essentially ducks out of the way and Godiva just falls down hard on that drop kick attempt. Godiva recovers, does a two-handed arm drag and eventually a corner Irish whip and she ends up charging and does her Buckingham bounce that seated senton into the corner uh, over the top rope. Zelda eventually recovers, climbs the top rope, and hits a big shoulder block onto Godiva. Godiva then uh, sells a splash that Zelda hits, but somehow after that splash that Zelda hit, Godiva is able to cover. After a few uh, moments, she does a couple of handstand splashes onto Zelda now and then does a weird double leg lock, like, Drop toe hole that ends up rolling up Zelda out of nowhere for the big one, two, three victory. Your winner by pinfall, Lady Godiva. Again, we have Godiva weight jokes, which I don't understand. And I, you know, after last time when it happened, I decided to just pay attention and take a good, long, hard look at Godiva's body. And I found nothing wrong with it at all. And if anyone needs me to do that kind of research again, I'm here for you. 
I kind of like the subtle bit of actual storytelling going on in this match. Um, I and I'm saying this again, again, and we don't. We're almost positive that this was all taped at different times, so it's not like they got better and understood how to do this. But Zelda with the hair product, she pulls out the chunk of Godiva's hair. Zelda, being the smaller, weaker one for her character, immediately gets the advantage on Godiva because she's so upset about her hair coming out. She, you know, so she's distracted. But then Godiva's shock and upset turns into rage, and then she just dominates Zelda. That was actually like, that's a good storyline. That makes sense. It's not Edge Booker T Shampoo commercial level, but, you know, it's pretty close. It's getting there. And then out of nowhere, the match ends. What was this, like, two, three-minute-long match, if that? Which, granted, like, glow matches are usually short, but this was exceptionally short. I was actually, when Educator was talking, I'm going through my notes, and I go turn the page, I'm like, oh, that's all the notes I have for this match. I have nothing. There's nothing here to do for it. I do love the Buckingham bounce move. It's ridiculous. It's absurd. Yeah, it's uh, proto-Bronco Buster there. I actually love it. I think she does it well. As much as each girl is stealing bigger moves and finishers and like everyone's doing headlocks and leg scissors and stuff like that, I am noticing everyone has like tiny little setup moves or or buying time moves that they do. MTV's kicks, she loves. Godiva with the Buckingham bounce. The farmer's daughters with the farmer's roll. Like everyone has little moves they do, but no signature finisher. Yeah, the uh, Buckingham Bounce, Kevin, is there a women's wrestler that could do that now? Are the ropes too high for that? To do it that high, I don't think so. Well, Naomi. Na- that's what I was just going to say. I think Naomi could pull that off. Or or Bianca. To. Probably Bianca, too, Bianca could do jumping. whatever she yeah. wants to do. Yeah. That, uh, like, topic for another day, but the more and more I see her and the more and more comfortable she gets in her role... I think we're looking Bianca's like once in generation athlete level. She's incredible with what she's already showing. And I don't even, and I think she still has like self doubt. I don't even think she's at her peak and she's already doing amazing stuff. So we follow that up with beasties beanery. Then we Who's? beasties beanery. Why? Ah, oh, come on. We had another impression last week. I was waiting. Oh, I couldn't do it. Yeah. <laughs> The man almost pooped himself last week when he did it. So. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, uh, then we get a shampoo commercial, and then we get, of course, Mountain Fiji dream sequence uh, with Zelda. And that, Zelda the brain getting the nod she's this getting time, a lot. Huh? She's getting a lot of love. Uh, then we go into match number four on the card, which is Vicky Victory and Cheyenne Shear, which is apparently known as the cheerleaders. Uh, the cheerleaders. Taking on Daisy with Gremlina and Dementia. Uh, what would you guys think of this tag match? Uh, the cheerleader routine, uh, like the start, a little bit of storytelling and trying to get Daisy involved in doing uh, a little cheerleading spot here. But in the end, uh, fun back and forth match building, I would hope, a bigger storyline where eventually Daisy breaks away from Gremlina. Fun to see how Gremlina just basically gets tied up to the the ring post and is is a non-factor in this match. And then after this match, suddenly now Gremlina is pulling some backstage, uh, you know, favors and is getting Daisy a title shot in episode 12. So I don't know. It's way how editing works, I guess. So 
I would say Vicky Victory is the worst person out here in this match. Right. Well, yeah, I would agree. Like Cheyenne Cher, great. Daisy, honestly, it's her size, and she's starting to learn how to use her size. Grimlina plays her character well. Dementia is so underrated. Yeah. As a character, fantastic. But Vicky, and, and it was early in the show too, because Cheyenne Cher and Vicky Victory had the ref locker room joke spot on this episode. And Cheyenne Cher and the ref are doing their lines, and Vicky's just like deer in headlights staring right into the camera's soul. Like, just, it doesn't work that way. You you can't, you know, pretend the camera's not there. And if you are talking to camera, it's supposed to be the audience, but she's just staring into it, like, blank, doesn't know what to do next. And honestly, I think it happens with her in the ring sometimes, too. So, uh, so why don't you go ahead and uh, break down this one? Hey, big Kev. Mm-hmm. Not this time. Oh, see, this was one of my guess. I try to guess now. This was, <laughs> this was one of my possibilities. So we see at the start of the match, the cheerleaders do a routine. They invite Daisy to join in, and Daisy tries to do a headstand into a roll, mimicking what Vicky Victory and Cheyenne Cher did. Uh, but she ends up just basically taking a big front bump flip in, onto her back. Gremlina is just not too happy with uh, Daisy's efforts. She ends up starting whipping Daisy with the pom-poms. The cheerleaders are not too happy with Gremlina's, uh, you know, treatment of Daisy. So they end up hitting a double drop kick to Gremlina from behind. Sends Gremlina through the ropes to the floor. Daisy ends up starting the match by picking up Cheyenne Cher with a running slam. But she stumbles, and I, I really thought that this could have ended very, very badly. It was almost like she was doing a running power slam, you know, Warlord, British Bulldog style, it kind of looked like. But she trips over her own feet, and it could have ended a lot worse than it did. Uh, there could have been a serious botch in this match, but luckily uh, it doesn't appear anything significant happened to Cheyenne Cher. We see Daisy slam Cheyenne Cher over the top, uh, over the top rope onto the corner apron. Daisy ends up doing a big Irish whip and hits the big Kevin Nash diesel-like boot to Vicky Victory. Uh, Vicky Victory and being involved now in the in the match, uh, sh- Daisy does a big scoop slam to Vicky Victory. Vicky Victory recovers and ends up doing a drop toe hold that, and then eventually a big hair mare beal to, uh, two times to take uh, Daisy off of her feet to the mat. Vicky Victory tries to do a top rope cross body. But Daisy overpowers and basically catches her and just gently sets her down on the corner turnbuckle. She ends up seeking crowd approval to see whether or not she should drop the big sledgehammer forearms over Vicky Victory's body, but ends up deciding not to do so. Vicky Victory tries to tie up with Daisy, but Daisy is now becoming reluctant and refusing to engage in the match. Is this her way of saying that she's no longer going to do, you know, Gremlina's bidding? Eventually, Daisy does decide to do an Irish whip and hits a big tilt-a-whirl into an over-the-shoulder body slam that was pretty impressive to Vicky Victory. Daisy very gently picks up Vicky Victory again and lays her over the corner turnbuckle, continues to feign that she's going to drop big double axe handles onto her, but ends up deciding not to do so. Eventually, Cheyenne Cher gets involved in the match. She tags in. Cheyenne Cher attempts an over-the-top you know, cartwheel into a splash, but Daisy rolls very early. So it looks weird for Cheyenne Cher to attempt this big slash splash. She ends up overselling that miss splash after that cartwheel uh, attempt. Uh, 
Daisy uh, gets up and does a corner Irish whip and hits a big one-legged monkey flip to take Cheyenne Shear over to the opposite side of the ring. Finally, Dementia is formally tagged into the match. We see Vicky Victory that's now at ringside uh, on the floor. She's tying up Gremlina to the ring post. She ends up stuffing a pom-pom into Gremlina's mouth and then puts a big old megaphone-like cone over her head to basically render her useless in the match. We see Gremlina... Uh, or I should I should say dementia is choking Cheyenne Share in the corner while this is all happening. Eventually, uh, dementia whips Cheyenne Share towards Daisy, who's now over uh, on ringside on the apron. She ends up sticking her foot through the ropes, causing Cheyenne Share to plow into the big boot again. Dementia goes for a pinfall attempt after that big boot from uh, Daisy ringside, but only gets a two count. Cheyenne Share eventually tags back in Vicky Victory, who's up on the apron. Uh, Vicky Victory does an Irish whip and a big drop kick that sends Dementia through the ropes to the floor. Daisy gets back into the match. She ends up putting locking in a big full Nelson onto Vicky Victory. Cheyenne Share finally gets involved, and they do a very cool, unique finish to the match a double team maneuver where there's an Irish whip. Cheyenne Cher drops down for Daisy to have to step over her. But as Daisy is stepping over Cheyenne Cher, Vicky Victory hits a decent-looking dropkick, which then causes uh, Daisy to stumble over uh, now-prone Cheyenne Cher, who falls back over. Uh, Daisy falls back over Cheyenne Cher's body, and Cheyenne Cher does a roll-up cradle for a big 1-2-3 victory. Your winners, the cheerleaders. So, something you two might not know. The creator of Wonder Woman was also into bondage. Okay. And your Golden Age original version of Wonder Woman, if you took her magic lasso and bound her with it, she would lose her powers. So there's all kinds of Golden Age comic covers and panels inside of the Wonder Woman stories in which she is pretty much in like, you know, barely not pornographic bondage positions and, you know, tied up with the the rope of the magic lasso and everything because he was into it. But it kind of slid by because it's just silly thing for kids and that's her powers and her lasso and all and the people who were into it got their kicks and people who didn't even know what was going on just let it go. So Gremlina here with the pom-poms being tied up to the post, someone in the glow creative department and the writer's room has a thing. I am convinced of it because this goes on for a while and the focus is on her being tied up. Nothing to do with the match at all. Like, this is someone's kink, for sure. Or or maybe, honestly, maybe a fan wrote in and said, hey, can you type Gremlina this week? And they're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> we'll do whatever to get viewers. Uh, again here, though, and, and it's crazy for this episode doing it, Daisy's character development in this is fantastic. Her wanting to cheer with the girls, her wanting to be popular. She ends up in spots where she doesn't want to hit Cheyenne Cher or Vicky Victory because, you know, they're her friends. She wants to be like them. She's very conflicted. She doesn't know what to do when Gremlin is tied up. Dementia isn't really like a leader that's going to get Daisy on the right course because Dementia's in her own head anyways. If anything, I think, like, especially 
again, I'm complaining about Vicky Victory for this match and, and this whole show. Daisy's walking away. Daisy's leaving the match. She's The fight is out of her. She wants to be friends with the cheerleaders. Wins and losses certainly don't matter in Glow. And it's Vicky Victory stopping her every time and dragging her back into the match and antagonizing her. She's like a little yappy puppy dog. Like, the fight's over. Be happy you didn't get beat. And she keeps going after her for it. I think Daisy is fantastic here. Really does a lot for the match. She not, not that I think she like called the match or anything, but she's absolutely in charge of the progression of the match and the flow of everything. And Vicky, I think is just like, it's, it's, it's who I'm wrestling against. Let's get him. Let's get him. Let's beat her up. I got to do this. Like not actually paying attention to story of the match at all here. Kind of makes like her being, self-absorbed for this her staring into the camera like i said for the earlier segment it almost makes me wonder if her mirror mirror segment of you know who's the fairest of the all is maybe a rib on her ego on like a self-centered nature maybe for her so uh why don't we follow that up with an easiest kgb segment of course vladimir calls he's terrible at this his timing is awful um and she notches with mr secretary yeah, he's tr- she's trying to figure out, she's trying to get the gossip about the the import agreements with Mr. Secretary that were made. She's trying to schmoz her way in there so that perhaps maybe she can take advantage of those agreements some way, somehow. Who knows? Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we get a shampoo commercial. We get Country Girl Dates. And that leads us to our main event of the evening, which is Beastie taking on... Tiffany Mellon. Uh, what'd you guys think of this one? Giving Big Beastie the main event here, you know, changing things around, having her wrap up the show. Interesting finish. Again, we get kind of like a DQ, so not a clean finish whatsoever. Who knew, you know, just putting your shoulder pads onto your opponent would be a DQ? I don't even know what she's going for here. Yeah. I I don't know what she's even attempting. I don't know why it's DQ. Um, if she was like when I thought she was doing something with with the wrist tape or or bracelets, whatever you want to call it, I'm like, okay, we're going for like a bondage type, you know, something like the last match here, but maybe something to incapacitate Tiffany. And then she goes for the the football pads, and I'm completely lost. And you're right, I still understand how that decides the finish of the match. Especially when Beastie had a much better angle with the kangaroo meat, which was violent, which was interesting, which, right. uh, you know, good, like that was a good angle. This one just like, what the heck is going on here? It's, it, it was, it was like, they went out and went, oh crap, someone's injured or someone's hurt. Or we can't do this match. Figure something out. Right. I was a little disturbed with the hot dog angle in this match. And just <laughs> using the empty roll afterwards that and, was substi- funny. and substituting the hot dog with, you know, Tiffany's forearm. That's fine. It'll be all right. Put some mustard on it. Well, meat a little, little extra rare, but that's fine. Fun fact. Second time I watched Tiffany get eaten this week. Oh, yeah. When was the first one? I'll send you a link later. Oh, okay. Um, there it is. So, Educator, you want to go ahead and uh, wow. break this one down, almost like Beastie broke Tiffany's neck? There it is. 
So we see the start of the match where Beastie starts essentially mimicking Tiffany Mellon. Tiffany Mellon extends her hand in friendship, trying to get the match off in a good start. Beastie just not having it. She ends up Irish whipping Tiffany Mellon uh, into the corner turnbuckle. Beastie we see with a big stiff scoop slam to take Tiffany Mellon down to the mat. Beastie sits and essentially straddles over Tiffany Mellon on her shoulders uh, and starts biting down on her fingers, preventing Tiffany Mellon from being able to escape. Eventually, Beastie whips Tiffany Mellon over the top rope onto the floor. Tiffany Mellon's response is to go over to the ringside announce table, go bother Johnny C, who's just trying to get a hot dog on in the middle of the match here. And she ends up stealing the what appeared to be a very raw-looking hot dog from Johnny C. And she starts using that as bait to try to lure Beastie out of the ring. Beastie is lunging for that hot dog. Tiffany Mellon keeps doing it like a keep away. But eventually, Tiffany Mellon, in running away, tosses that hot dog to Beastie, and Beastie just completely devours that raw hot dog. Beastie follows out on the floor. She goes over to the ring announcer's table and then finds the now-empty hot dog roll that the hot dog that she's already consumed was in. And she grabs that hot dog roll, goes back into the ring, starts tying up with Tiffany Mellon, and she ends up wrapping the hot dog roll around Tiffany Mellon's forearm and begins to make shift that she's biting and chewing on Tiffany Mellon's forearm as it's the new hot dog. Tiffany Mellon is able to fight back. She does an Irish whip and eventual drop toe hold to take BC down to the mat. As there is an attempt for a pinfall, Beastie eventually powers out. Beastie gets up and picks up Tiffany Mellon for a pile driver and drops Tiffany Mellon. Initially, I popped hard for this pile driver when I watched this episode. I legit thought that Beastie dropped, like, this is, like, akin to Owen Hart, Steve Austin. I thought she just dropped her square down on her head, dropping on her knees, and I honestly thought that there was a broken neck here. Uh, But that apparently was not the case because eventually Tiffany Mellon does do a somewhat of a recovery as BC does a corner Irish whip and a big football punt into Tiffany Mellon's vagina. (laughs) BC is essentially choking Tiffany Mellon with her armbands, putting her armbands onto Tiffany Mellon. And then she puts uh, her shoulder pads in the corner onto Tiffany Mellon and prevents Tiffany Mellon from being able to escape. And the referee now all of a sudden decides to call for a DQ for apparently refusing to break a chokehold in the corner while the shoulder pads are on. Luckily, my fears were quelled regarding the neck injury because we got to see a super glow motion replay here where they showed the pile driver in very slow motion and the drop that appeared quickly on... Uh, Tiffany Mellon's head, there was actually a little bit of space between the top of her head and the mat, so she did not fall square down, uh, so it was a lot more protected than I thought. There's a continuous brawl at the aftermath of the match here. Eventually, security comes down to pull Beastie off uh, off of Tiffany Mellon and drag her back to the locker room, and we end up going to a commercial. The weird thing for that pile driver spot is Beastie just walks away from it too. So I wonder if like maybe she thought she injured Tiffany as well and was like, oh, let me walk away because if I check on her, I ruin my whole character. 
if I walk away and someone else checks on her, I can save face, especially if she ends up being all right. And it's also like me wanting character development stuff to make sense. It's just not going to happen. If you had Beastie come out with a second set of gear and she's dressing Tiffany up like that and kind of like a Grimlina Daisy thing, like Beastie is warping and twisting Tiffany, making her a road warrior from the future like herself. That could be an interesting storyline. That could go somewhere else. Give Tiffany a new look, new moves, new attitude, something like that. It's not what's happening, but it could be interesting. Uh, we have our insult of the night, I believe, with uh, the referee talking about um, Tiffany trying to get momentum against Beastie, saying that's like trying to get Ninochka on Weight Watchers. Yeah, that was pretty rough. Yeah, yeah very nice line there. <laughs> you know, hang on. I was just, I'm going back through my notes. No, no, no. Something may have made sense. Something just clicked. Who started the friendship thing at the start of the match there? Tiffany was extending her hand, right? Yeah, Tiffany was extending her hand. Beastie wasn't having it. That's when they started with the corner Irish whip. And I mean, Tiffany wasn't doing it genuine. She was doing it to lure Beastie in and all. Absolutely. So maybe, and I'm stretching it, but maybe... Beastie putting her gear on Tiffany at the end is, oh, you want to be friends? Let's play dress up together. Let's share things. You want to be my friend? I'm stressing that question. I know. Um, but between Beastie with the hot dog here and, and the kangaroo meat, uh, Beastie's the Tommy Dreamer of Glow. She's just eating whatever's put in front of her. I'm hardcore. I'll take them both. Arrgh. What the <laughs> hell? I have no idea, but please don't ever do that again. Um, what do you guys think of uh, Super Glow Motion? Love it. Do you wish you would have yeah. thought of the name, Kevin? I do. I thought I said that last time they did Super Glow Have you Motion. ever heard Juvenile's song, Glow Motion? Glow Motion for me? Yeah, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll play that during the, uh, during the commercial breaks. <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Um, so we followed that up with a don't do drugs PSA with Hollywood. Then the credits roll and Johnny C still broke and he's dealing with Ninochka. So and Ninochka is not too happy. She isn't getting paid. Yeah. Well, they're all going overseas to his foreign cars. That's going to do it for Glow. Episode 11, Ninochka's Reign, part 11. What would you guys think of this one? There's, you know, again, it's the editing, how everything's putting together. It's just there's no continuity like we've like Hellions brought up earlier. It, it would have made sense that the tag match with the Russians happened before the singles match between Justice and Nanachka to justify having that particular match. And yeah, so it fun stuff here and there. Uh, like I said, the pile driver spot, I was like, I legit cringed thinking there was like a bigger issue like, oh, yeah, she's not trained, and she shouldn't be doing that pile driver. But it, luckily, I think in the end it was luck of, out of anything uh, that ended up protecting her neck. I think it just looked so bad because of the Fabergé Organics hairspray made the hair so big <laughs> right. that she probably was like two inches off the ground. Yeah, but with right. her hair being so primped up and being in the late '80s, just looked a lot worse. Yeah. It's like when you're a little kid trying to get in a ride that you have to be so tall to ride and you just poof your hair up to try to get that <laughs> extra inch or two height. Yeah. There you go. All right. So why don't we take a quick little commercial break and we'll be back after these messages. 
promotional consideration paid for by the following. Like that, she's working that back. I don't know how to act. Glow motion format, glow motion format, glow motion moving, moving so glow motion format. Uh, I like it like that. She working that back. I don't know how to act. Glow motion format, glow motion format, glow motion moving, moving glow motion format. Uh, we like them, all the farmers' daughters with that southern drawl. Nachka when she brawls, the diver answering calls, Zelda delivering zingers, ooh, I'm enthralled. Broadway wars in Hollywood, yeah, I like them bad. Big Mama Mountain, VG Dementia, I like them sad. Vicky Victory, Cheyenne Cheer, cheerleading, BC's Beanery, you can scream, I ain't leaving. Little Fiji for the educator, now he is learning. Glow ladies have all of us yearning for that potion, exfoliating lotion. Now you know what I want, that glow motion. Uh. I like it like that, she working that back I don't know how to act Glow motion for me, glow motion for me Glow motion moving, moving so glow motion for me uh, I like it like that, she working that back I don't know how to act Glow motion for me, glow motion for me Glow motion moving, moving so glow motion for me And we are back once again inside the Glow's locker room. And I did write down that Sarah and Mabel are in the locker room. Do you think they put their, their hoods on first? Or the overalls? I think, they put their, I think they put the masks on first, then the overalls, and then the hood. Sure, mask, overalls. And that? No, that, no, no. The, the mask and the hood we're doing as two separate things. Okay, mask first. Yeah. Then sure. Are they onesies, Kevin? I don't know. I think they are onesies. I, I'm pretty sure they are. Yeah, like a cat suit kind of thing. Yeah. Okay, so do you pull that up, or does it have a zipper, or does any part of it go over your head? Oh, who knows? It's like That's maybe it's like a hoodie, but with like a front. Right. Or is it like a bride? You're pu- putting the veil. I'm not even sure. Oh, if the mask was like part of their onesie, oh, you that'd know, be good. Like yeah, Ray Mysterio's outfit. Yeah, it's probably like a one. It's probably like a onesie with like a snappy crotch, so you can put it over your head like a shirt, and then you have a, just a separate pair of tights that go over. That's what I'm thinking. It is. It's like a two piece. No clue what we're talking about. Anymore. Full body. I just want to say that I kind of wish I was a single beatnik, so I could say that's one snappy crotch. <laughs> but hey, Sarah and Mabel beat up the referee because the referee knows their true colors, and that's their rednecks. Mm. Yeah. So uh, once it... did you also? Sorry. Um, during the match introductions, a uh, we finally get Daisy's height, but also um, Hollywood is called the sexy freak. So a little, a a little gimmick freak. change. Mm. Oh my! Uh, yeah, Daisy six two. That's what they said. So. Six two. Uh, do you think that six two size sixteen? Do you think that's gimmicked? Size sixteen. Ah, she's a tall girl. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I mean, she's got to be at least six, I would say. So, I, I'm like six foot six one, depending on time of day and the shoes I'm wearing. So you get shorter as you walk th- through the day. What? 
Yeah, because your spine compresses as you walk, and it elongates while you're lying down. I did not know that. Yeah, the the puffy stuff in between your vertebrae, squishy stuff. Anyways, so I remember I was at the store once with my uncle, and I'm like six foot, and there's a guy, and he's like, how tall is that guy? Go stand next to him, because then if you're next to him, I know how tall you are, and I could gauge how tall this guy is, and our guest was like seven, six. So I think to truly get a good gauge of how tall Daisy is, we need someone whose height we know for sure. So I would suggest AJ Styles stand next to her. Because he's, what, six foot himself? Isn't that always build ass? 5'11", six foot? Good, good read on that. You went all, you you went the scenic route for that one, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> That's tough. I didn't know if you were going I, I, with she's as tall as Almas. It was an easy... <laughs> easy scenic route because AJ was with me and the earth is flat so I just came back right away oh right right around that makes right sense around. yeah wouldn't it be easier right if this if it was round you come right around whatever let's just get right into it uh we're at the Riviera once again we get our card rundown we get a shampoo commercial then we go into Tiffany's glow gossip and that leads to match number one on the card which is Sally the farmer's daughter taking on Hollywood which apparently is the sex freak? Yep. The sexy freak. The sexy no, freak. Sex oh, freak. okay, my bad. My yeah. bad. Ah, and this is, is a last women's standing match. Uh, Texas yeah, barroom brawl. Texas barroom brawl. Well, so whatever you want to call it. It's not a matter of knocking your opponent down. It's you got to get a pinfall, uh-huh. but it has to happen in the ring. You're allowed to brawl wherever you want throughout the building, but the pinfall, first of all, has to happen in the ring. And then after the pinfall, the person that was pinned has to be able to make it by a standing ten count, or the match is over. So you're 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 telling me they must have gone through the entire arena with this match. I mean, the rules state that they could go anywhere, but the, as long as the pinfalls happen in the ring, it's basically you know all balls to the wall, baby. I think they passed a young uh, hangman Adam Page in the crowd. Here's Texas Byron Brawl match is right there. Right, right there. Yeah, so uh, Educator, why don't you just break this one down? So we see Hollywood get into the ring after Sally had already made her entrance, and it just immediately starts the match. As soon as she steps through the rope, she does a wrist lock takedown. We see Sally with a big headlock and turns it into a, like a jumping nair to take Hollywood down. She eventually hits a running drop kick that causes Hollywood to fly through the ropes to the floor. Hollywood does recover, ends up Irish whipping Sally into the first front row of fans. We see continued brawling back and forth on the floor. Eventually back into the ring, Sally ends up hitting a sunset flip after hitting the ropes and gets a pinfall onto Hollywood. As the referee's counting, Hollywood from that sunset flip is able to recover after a standing eight count. We see Sally and Hollywood, they end up trading back and forth double arm drags. The girls end up crisscrossing to opposite sides of the ring and hitting the ropes. They end up hitting a double clothesline of each other. Sally recovers first and actually scores an eventual pin on Hollywood again. Hollywood is able to get up at seven. Her method of getting up, she actually just hits a a leg sweep while laying on the mat to cause Sally to fall down to the canvas. And the match again is restarted. We see Hollywood rolling out of the ring. She ends up grabbing a beer bottle from a fan at ringside. Sally gives chase by climbing up to the top rope, channeling her inner macho man, Randy Savage. She leaps off of the top rope to the floor. 
But as she's coming down, Hollywood smashes the beer bottle into Sally's forehead. Hollywood ends up uh, basically hitting a big bulldog or roll Sally back into the ring, grabs a headlock and hits a big running bulldog and gets a pinfall count onto Sally in the middle of the ring. And Sally fails to answer the 10 count. And the winner of the match is Hollywood. Post-match, the ladies start brawling uh, in the ring. They roll out into the floor, and they basically wrestle around, jockeying for position, and eventually get their way back to the locker room. And we cut to a commercial. Historic, historic match in GLOW history. Because the for the first time ever, someone sells a beating. Because Hollywood does a fantastic job of selling and struggling to get back up to make that 10 count. She did great in this match. A move I really dug for her doing is she's beat down. She can't get up, but just because I can't get up doesn't mean I can't knock you down. And she does like a leg sweep on Sally twice during the match. I'm like, that makes a ton of sense. I'm struggling to get to my feet. I got to beat this count here. I'm beat down but I can't have you standing over me because you're going to just take advantage of it, beat me more and all. What can I use to knock you down? Really well done. And I also, after Hollywood was down twice for it and had to answer account, I was really shocked. Sally, it was the first time. And it didn't seem like that. Now that we really have finishers, but it didn't seem like that devastating a move. I didn't expect her to stay down. I really thought Sally would get up. We'd go through this once more. You, you could have easily. The match was going pretty well against each other. Um, Sally usually isn't that good, but she has a very good brawling style that seems like Hollywood and Broadway Rose drag out of her. Like she really seems to get into the fighting aspect of it, but terrible in the ring and on promos. Um, if I recall, they teased that next week, babe and Broadway Rose will have a similar match. I'm looking forward to it. And honestly, if they did, uh, a Texas barroom brawl, last lady standing, whatever, for all four of them, ratings gold in my mind. Might be my match of the season. All right, I like it. I like it. <laughs> um, so we followed that up with Dr. Feel and Grope. Uh, he's interviewing. I don't know. He's having a consultation with Mountain Fiji. We get a shampoo commercial, then we get Zelda Zingers. And then we go into match number two on the card, which is Thunderbolt and a Lightning uh, taking on MTV, the AOK DJ. Woo! And Dementia. Um, guys, question. What are your thoughts on their guitars? Oh, my. This, I actually did not process MTV's guitar because my eyes were fixated on Dementia walking to the ring holding the axe like it was a guitar. And I just, I thought it was fantastic. And then after the fact, I looked at MTV and realized that her guitar is actually in the shape of an axe. It was fantastic. They're just like, they're coordinating their gimmicks together. I thought it was unique that dementia is partnering up with MTV, not doing the typical tag with Daisy and, of course, having Gremlina. Fun match for the ladies, the Thunderbolt and Lightning, the comic book superheroes versus MTV and Dementia. I actually appreciated this match very, very much. You know, MTV doesn't really have a tag partner. 
like they got dementia going with with Daisy and Gremlina. MTV doesn't have one, and we discuss in our little group chat, you know, so off air and everything, of course. In the glow opening and in a lot of the rap scenes, there's a random girl in blue that we have not seen, that is not named, that's never given focus. I wonder if maybe MTV did have a tag team partner at some point, which is this woman, and we just never see her. Yes, I'm calling her VH1. (laughs) (laughs) What would that stand for, Kevin? Vanessa Hutchinson the first. I was going to go with villainous, heinous wonder. Oh, baby. See, I was thinking the one has to be W-O-N because she never loses. Paul Wonder. <laughs> I don't know. The, I don't know. I don't know. Or, or the O-Neaters from that thing you do. Um, Let me ask you a question, guys, because I think we would get into this. I'm going to get it out in the open. I like to be in front of the trends. This is the best episode of Glow we have watched. I think so. I yeah. would agree. Yeah. There's a lot of fun on this. Number 12. There's a lot of fun on this episode. Absolutely. I mean, there really is. Um, so, Educator, why don't you go ahead and break down the match for us? Well, I actually I want to ask you guys. I, I believe we see another weird, awkward cut uh, right towards the start of the match where we see both of the heels with their axes, guitars, whatever. And then we see this weird cut where now Thunderbolt is climbing to the top rope and she tries to hit a high crossbody from the top rope where Dementia essentially just catches her. What do you guys think possibly happened from that weird cut? Do you think there was something hinted like dementia swinging the axe or the guitar was swung because it's shaped like an axe? They had to edit something out. What do you think? I think it was the axes. I think an axe was used against a person, even though I don't know. Dementia's could be an actual axe, just the way it was shining off the light. Like there's stuff, you know, and I think something, if they're going to block the guitar hits from before the, the, lady liberty day plaque from before and someone's using an axe fake or not they're absolutely censoring that too yeah so we like i said we get this cut where thunderbolt at starting the match after the cut uh, climbs to the top rope hits a high cross body from the top rope but dementia catches her and basically just tosses her right down to the canvas dementia turns around and puts focus on her big bird doll that she carried to the ring picks up the big bird doll and is kind of like extending her arms out towards her corner. Like she's going to set the big bird doll down. However, Thunderbolt ends up charging and hits her in the back with a running drop kick that sends dementia through the ropes to the floor. And then for whatever reason, dementia recovers, gets back into the ring again. And they pretty much replay the uh, spot over again, where we see Thunderbolt hitting another drop kick, sending dementia through the ropes to the floor Eventually, Dementia gets back up on the apron, and Thunderbolt hits now a third dropkick that causes Dementia to fall off of the apron back onto the floor itself. At this point, we now see all four ladies. They're brawling on the floor. We see Dementia do a fireman's carry pickup and eventually turns a Samoan drop throw of Thunderbolt tossing her into the front row of fans. Back in the ring, we see MTV climb to the top rope. She tries to do a high cross body, but lightning ends up moving out of the way. And Dementia actually ends up taking the brunt of that high cross body uh, as lightning leapt off of the ropes. And Dementia now uh, gets hit by that cross body. We see the faces take the heels, go to opposite corners, do an Irish whip to cause the heels to collide uh, into the center of the ring with one another. 
Uh, they cl- collapse down to the canvas. Thunderbolt and Lightning go to opposite corners, climb to the top rope. Both do a high cross body uh, and score a double pinfall victory as Thunderbolt and Lightning pin MTV and Dementia. I liked a lot of stuff in this match. I really liked Thunderbolt was really showing some aggression in control of the match. Uh, almost heelish tendencies for, I won't say violent, but how aggressive I guess she's being. And she's by far the smallest one involved in any of this. Right. Too. So like really surprised by her. I dug MTV and dementia not being on the same page. MTV hits across body and dementia. They get kind of confused and messed up. I would have liked this to lead to a, and, and honestly, maybe it does. I'm doubting it, but maybe it does an MTV dementia feud, but then both still heels. Right. But dementia just like in her own world, in her own space, not really knowing what's going on here. I, I think dementia would be the more sympathetic one in such a feud, but I, I was kind of digging it for the two of them. Just not being on the same page. That's the reason they lost the match. They look like contenders ahead of time because honestly you put dementia and someone else against Thunderbolt and lightning. I'm thinking the heels are winning most of the time here, but like lots of fun match for, I want, you know, you're asking about the, the axes and the guitars and everything. I kind of wonder what, if there was any copyright thing, like how much could they have done with the big bird plush before Sesame street comes after them? Like, is it just stuffed animals? So it doesn't matter. Or is it possible that children's television workshop is so concerned about their brand that they would say, Hey, you can't have our characters appearing in this way, even though it's a toy. Right. Not sure, Kevin. I'll look it up. Not sure. Don't don't be such a grouch about this, man. No, sorry. Waka waka. All right. So waka waka waka. Um, we follow that up with Godiva's bare facts, and then of course we get MTV's Glow Connection. The AOK DJ at the Glow Disco. Never, I love every second. Of that. I am waiting every time he does that. I'm watching the background of the camera. I'm waiting for someone to come downstairs with a WTF look on their face. Yeah. My nine year old. Why are you keeping me up? <laughs> and then it leads to match number three on the card, which is Big Bad Mama taking on Rocky Aster. Um, but there's some shenanigans really in this match, Educator. What's going on? Lots of storytelling to start this mm-hmm. match because Roxy Aster wants to show that she has the capability of taking on Big Bad Mama. She thinks she, that she can beat Big Bad Mama if we have a legitimate straight wrestling match. No shenanigans from Big Bad Mama. No voodoo. So she starts with the stakes. I'll give you Big Bad Mama $5,000 if you put the bag of voodoo away and you and I have a straight match. Which... This is 1989, right? Mm-hmm. Eight, 1989 dollars. And Big Bad Mama says, I don't care about no $5,000. $5,000 is chump change. Dude, I'd take me $5,000 right now. Yeah, much less than whatever less that is for inflation. Money where where $5,000 like buys you like a suit like a really good car. <laughs> you know, crazy. Absolutely crazy. So 
because Big Mad Mama is like, this is insulting. What do you think I am? A charity case? $5,000. So Roxy asked her. She ups the game. She's going to give her $10,000 if she puts away the bag of voodoo and they have a straight match. Big Bad Mama certainly was like all over that. She wanted to make sure Johnny C thought that the money was going to be legit. So Johnny C steps in and says, yep, her money is definitely good. Not sure why Johnny C would think her money is definitely good. Maybe she's kind of financially back in the glow. Who knows? Not going to go figure out that story yet. That's maybe for another podcast. But here we now have Johnny C. As uh, we see Roxy Astor write out a check. Write out a check for $10,000. Gives that to Johnny C. Johnny C. collects the bag. Of all the voodoo stuff that you know, normally she, Big Bad Mama, would have access to to help her win her matches, giving her an advantage, and we get a straight wrestling match to start everything off. So it's ten thousand dollars today, just 10, over ten thousand. Crazy. How much are the Glow Girls getting paid? Maybe this is why Johnny C never has money while they're hitting him up for even more money. If, if five grand's chump change to big bad mama although maybe she's using her voodoo magic to steal money from other people doesn't mean she's getting paid that much by glow she must just have it why's and why's roxy have that much money it's crazy like when they okay when they suspended charlotte last week two weeks ago whatever did she have a fine too yeah was it a hundred thousand dollars okay yeah here's the thing roxy asked her is Oprah rich before Ooh. Oprah was rich? Oprah was around in 89, too. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Oprah wasn't Oprah rich in 89. Oh, she had money, but she wasn't like... Yeah. Also, okay, is... Where's the money and where's the voodoo? Because it seemed like they got confused which bag is which. <laughs> I think Johnny C took the check and put it in the bag because I believe the intent was... You know, if if Big Bad Mama won, she's gonna be able to keep that check. So they he put it in the in the bag, the sports for, bag, the sports bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That Big Bad Mama had all of her little voodoo stuff in, which looks like a bag that Bobby Heenan brings out money for Big John Stud with, right? Because very sim- yeah, very similar du- duffel bag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, because it's full of cash. But Roxy has a check, she's and a check, a book. Bag. Check, check, checkbook in her purse. Oh, it's just odd. Yes. That is the longest conversation about this bag of money and voodoo that has ever taken place, <laughs> even in their production meeting for that episode. <laughs> they did not put as much thought into it as we did right there. So I applaud both of you gentlemen. There we go, man. Listen, there are certain things, Globing one of them, that I kind of want to take as a writing exercise. And what if I took everything that's already done but read? Did it, rewrote it to right. try to make it better, make more sense. Glows on the list. Zack Snyder's sucker punch is high on that damn list. <laughs> Sorry for another day. <laughs> if you wanted to, Kevin, make it better and have like a a zigzagging, you know, winding road of a storyline, is that could have been money she had previously won from previous episodes because there's been mm-hmm. matches where there has been, whether it's the Battle Royal or, uh, you know, slamming Fiji, whatever it is. Right, right. 
you know, she could have been nefarious, had nefarious means to win that money. And you could have had a storyline that went through it to explain where she got it from. Honestly, we got all these segments of Godiva's Fairfax and Zelda singers and stuff like that. A pay window segment. Everyone who won their matches for that episode, instead of bothering Johnny C at the end, actually goes to the pay window, has one-liners, collects some check, builds up a storyline, much like you're saying, of building up money there. There you go. Or they could have thrown a scene where Tiffany Mellons is cashing in some of her stocks that went up. Uh, There you go. She did mention them. Yep. Roxy's her girl. Yeah. So did you have anything to add to the match? Did we break the match down? I haven't yet. Oh, I thought we did already. All right, break the match down. Give me the call here. Yeah, break the match. I forgot. Kevin went on a tangent about I don't God knows who knows. All right, so I tuned him out. So I tuned Kevin out. Break it down for us. Start of the match begins with uh, Roxy actually hitting a hip toss beal to take Big Bad Mom off her feet. We see a bunch of big kicks uh, to keep Big Bad Mama down to the canvas. We see Roxy with multiple stomps on a down Big Bad Mama. But eventually, Big Bad Mama is able to catch one of Roxy's stomps and ends up sweeping Roxy to break, bring her down to the canvas. Big Bad Mama on her feet picks up Roxy in an airplane spin and ends up do- uh, dumping Roxy into the corner turnbuckle. Mama ends up trying to do a big charging avalanche splash in the corner, but Roxy moves out of the way. We see Roxy hit a running drop kick to drop Big Bad Mama back down onto the canvas. Big Bad Mama ends up rolling out to the floor and she goes over to the uh, commentary table where Johnny C is sitting and tries to get her voodoo bag. But Johnny C reminds her of, you know, that this is, you know, she's going to have to forfeit that $10,000 check. So eventually Big Bad Mama realizes, you know, she really wants to try to, you know, win this match and take that money. So she goes back into the ring. And then we get the inset interview. And the comment from Big Bad Mama that just sets the tone for the rest of the of the match here. Big Bad Mama in her, you know, push-in interview in the lower right corner, reminding us that, you know, Roxy Astor's money is is not 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 gonna help her win, that she's you know able to do, you know, do whatever she can to win her match. And Big Bad Mama reminds us that you can take Big Bad Mama out of the country but you can't take the voodoo out of big bad mama. What, what, where, where, why is she leaving the country? It's the country of voodoo. Oh, that it's, um, there it is. Yep. It's in central America. Okay. Okay. They, uh, they had a a winter Olympic team, right? They did. They did did exceptionally well in bobsledding. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. All right. Okay, there's direct flights to their um, daily, actually, out of uh, Gotham and Metropolis. Ah, okay. Uh, that's that's what I wasn't processing. It makes sense now. Thank you. All right. So Big Bad Mama gets back into the ring after realizing she can't get to into her bag of tricks or she'd have to forfeit that money. She ends up Irish whipping uh, Roxy into the ropes. She telegraphs a back body drop attempt. Roxy attempts to do a sunset flip over, is able to do the sunset flip, but can't cradle Big Bad Mama over, who ends up ended up by standing up, grabbing Roxy by the throat, muscles her onto her feet, and then pushes her into the corner. She continues to choke uh, Roxy in the corner, and the referee is counting. Uh, eventually, for whatever reason, Big Bad Mama turns on the referee and ends up scooping up the referee and does a big body slam into the middle of the ring. 
and the referee calls for a big disqualification finish as a result. So your winner, because she attacked the referee, uh, Big Bad Mama disqualified, so your winner, Roxy Astor. Uh, the finish ends up showing security guards coming down to the ring to pull Big Bad Mama uh, out of the ring and take her back to the locker room from ringside. As Big Bad Mama is being dragged away by security, she ends up going over towards Johnny C to try to get her voodoo bag. He, she still tries to stay, take the $10,000 check. Johnny C is just not having it and is holding on to the check, holding on to the bag. So the finish of the sequence here shows Big Bad Mama grabbing onto Johnny C and security essentially dragging both of them back to the locker room. We've mentioned before about Cheyenne Cher kind of doing double duty. She has her cheerleader gimmick and then she has her Native American gimmick. I wonder if they debated some sort of uh, ninja gimmick for Roxy Astor because of her, quote, savat-like kicks. Apparently Roxy's biggest martial artist on the show. And I'm joking because honestly, I think this is Roxy's best match to date that we've seen on glow. Roxy was MMA before MMA was cool. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I think the whole episode is certain people's best matches. I think that was Thunderbolt's best match earlier. I thought that was Sally's best match with the barroom brawl. I might have another one like really good put together stuff here. Uh, not the announcer's best work, though. Um, his insulting line, uh, worst insulting line in this match uh, for Big Bad Mama wanting the money. $10,000 is almost a week of groceries for her. Oh, gosh. Just tough. <laughs> it hurts. Um, I got to imagine Mama was just like, I don't have my voodoo. Roxy's actually making a good showing here is actually a threat. I got to get out of this to save face. Let me slam the ref. Like kind of makes sense. Yeah. You know, to just get out of the match quick and all, uh, still does lose the money. Um, which she didn't use any voodoo. Slamming the referee is not using voodoo. True. Technically she followed along with the rules, but she didn't win the match. I think she didn't win. I think think the vibe was if she could defeat Roxy, she'd get the money. If she could defeat Roxy without the voodoo, she'd get the money. Yeah. Not just being a match in general without right. A lot of voodoo going on. Hoodoo? No voodoo going on. I don't know. It's a little bit of everything. By the way, voodoo will be back. Voodoo from Mountain Dew will be back this Halloween season. Oh. What color was it? Changing the flavor up? Either changing the flavor again. Last year, I think, was Skittles. Please, it's Smarties. What color was the voodoo? It's white. Was it? Was it white, oh, it was white cl- one? White and cloudy. Okay. Yeah. Cloudy one. Okay. So we follow that up with a Beasties Beanery segment. Oh, what's the special today? A Beasties Beanery. That's the lunch and laxative special. Eat and run, baby. Eat and run. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we get a shampoo commercial. And then, oh, switch it up, guys. Country Girl Dates coming earlier. Ooh, coming a little early today. And then we get match number four, which is a handicap match, as it's Mountain Fiji taking on Mabel and Sarah. Um, yeah, what would you guys think of this one? I miss little Fiji. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Uh, maybe she's maybe she's under the mask. She's she's under the hood. She's one. She's Sarah. There was me, uh, Mount Fiji. Was it me was all me all along. <laughs> uh, Fiji's working. She's working hard. Mm-hmm. She's gassed in this match at one point. Um, she's you know she's breaking beads, sweating on the forehead. She's, uh, Sarah and Mabel are making her you know work. So well, you know, <laughs> I mean. I have a feeling that's what their meetings are all about. Right. Yeah. You don't need you don't need to worry about their meetings taking place at nighttime. There's plenty of stuff burning to give you enough light to have a conversation by. Yeah. I'm t- I just yeah, I mean, this is the most I've seen Fiji move. They they were really making her work. And uh speaking of making her work. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Kevin Hellions Hot Tag Breakdown. Kevin, take it away. Now it's like, oh, good, the racist tag team's on here. It's going to be a Kevin match. I have not found out who both of them are under the mask, but I do know one is Jackson Riker. So. Oh, there it is. You don't think Drake Drake Wirtz isn't the other one? (laughs) It's Jackson Riker's mom. (laughs) Certainly not his sister. She doesn't talk to him. Anyways. (laughs) For any new listeners here, once an episode, these two fine co-hosts sign me an episode. Now, as I'm watching the show, I take down my own notes. Just to remind myself of as we're discussing the show, little points I want to bring up after the educator's breakdowns. But these two swerve me and allow me to read my entire notes for one of these. And if you want to read all of my notes for every match on show and every segment, check out the Patreon. So here we have Mountain Fiji versus Sarah and Mabel. Sarah and Mabel coming out with pineapples and sarongs. Oh good, they also have blowtorches and are burning Mountain Fiji's sarongs. Fiji is not happy about this, and she squeezes Mabel. Then Fiji tosses Mabel into Sarah. Fiji clotheslines both of the women. Uh, the hoods, as they are called, by the announcer, we're not even hiding anymore. The hoods come back with double knees. The hoods are going to now burn Mountain Fiji's ceremonial totem pole. Fiji tosses them back into the ring. Again, I repeat, the hoods. I was calling them the bags, which isn't like much better, but hoods just has so much worse implications here. Yeah, definitely go with the bags, man. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what the announcer said, and you know, he's just so right on all the women so far. Fiji splashes both of the, both Sarah and Mabel in the corner, splashes them again, misses the third attempt. Fiji has both hoods on to her shoulders. Very impressive one woman on each and then drops both of them down fiji back body drops one of them i've lost can i've lost track of who was who between sarah and mabel at this point fiji slams the other one on top of the first one and then pins them both this is by far in our watching glow mountain fiji's best match by far fiji goes to remove the hoods from sarah and mabel but when you know it, they both have masks on underneath protecting their true identities and the announcer says, and I think we need to look at this, 
I suspected those two were two baguettes. Now, I don't think he's making a French bread joke. I think he's trying to sneak in a word that he was not allowed to get to use that rhymes with baguettes. Is that why you refer to them as bags? <laughs> no, I was because co- it looked like bags sure, sure it is, and that has been your Jackson Riker breakdown. <laughs> wow, uh, educator, what do you want to add? Ah, uh, just the botch at the end, trying to remove the second bag mask, whatever, and the just the futile attempt that it was to try to show. I mean, the the first one that was removed, I mean, that, that one came off pretty easy, but the second one, I don't know, it got all snagged up in, but yeah, it's, it was a whole thing. Definitely, definitely a whole thing. Um, <laughs> so we followed it up with an easiest KGB segment, of course, Vladimir calls, and guys, she's... She made it to the president. She made it to the top, mm-hmm. baby. Talking to Mr. President about those hidden missile bases. There really should have been a foreshadowing of what is to come in our main event. Because uh, we do get another shampoo commercial. Then we get a Mountain Fiji dream sequence with Cheyenne Cher. And then it's our main event match number five on the card, which is Daisy. Taking on Nanachka for the glow crown. Now. Like I said on a couple previous episodes ago, I looked through to look at the names of these episodes, and I noticed the next episode is not Nanachka's Reign. It's not. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm really thinking to myself the entire time, they're gonna are they putting the crown on Daisy? I honestly thought so too when I texted Kevin last night, going back and forth. He was telling me about like such an amazing finish to this match, and I'm like are an amazing ending to episode 12. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, they're going to do it there. And they're going to now build to a storyline of Daisy now being able to escape from Gremlina. Look what she's capable of doing all by herself because the whole gimmick of the match was that Gremlina's got the match signed. If she agreed to not be at ringside. So therefore she could not be, in an interference on Daisy's behalf or whatever, I guess, against Ninochka. I I thought there was an opportunity here that we could have set up two different storylines or one storyline and then it could to spin out into a couple of others, but boy, there was a swerve that I wasn't expecting. Yeah. And I honestly think a well done one too. Yeah. I don't understand the rationale for part of it, but um it's the, the swerve kind of makes sense given the reaction uh, that Nanachka has constantly been getting. I mean, you will see her when she does her entrance. Like everybody loves her. Every, she, she, she's obviously very commanding in the ring, very captivating. Everybody's eyes are on her in any match that she's in. No, absolutely. Um, you know, let's just go, go right to it. I mean, the match itself, I thought they were setting up, uh, you know, you have Major Tanya come out, attack Daisy. The ref doesn't call the bell, which I like because it's a championship match. And if Daisy's playing the face, she wouldn't want the ref. She wants her title opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. I thought they were literally setting it up for Daisy beat both of these people. 
I was shocked when the notch got pinned Daisy. I was like, literally like, okay, that's weird. And then the after match angle where Nanachka saying she doesn't want Tanya's help. That's not the way that she does it. She takes great pride in her Russian heritage. Right. Uh, I think the most shocking thing is that she's talking about how she's taking great pride in her Russian heritage. The crowd's cheering her on. Yeah. Yeah. Crowd loves her. This is like a bigger pop than what Nikolai got when he decided to turn face. Well, I mean, Nikolai had like Johnny C's amount of money too, so <laughs> I have that scent sign on him. Yeah. So, um, educator, why don't you go ahead and break down the match for us, and then we'll get into the post match shenanigans. All right. So the start of the match, uh, before actually the match began, we see Daisy going over and grabbing the crown. Nanachka's on the floor, kind of after she took her crown off, put it on the corner turnbuckle. Uh, post and then turns around and kind of you know seeking the adulation from the crowd. Daisy goes over and grabs the crown, tries it on, and I'm like, oh wow, this is foreshadowing. And the crowd actually look or the crowd looked pretty decent on her. Uh, the ring announcer Joe C saying, hey, that's not your crown. You have to beat Nanashka for that. Nanashka is just absolutely not having the fact that Daisy picked up the crown. Nanashka ends up hitting a running drop kick from behind to uh, to push uh, Daisy into the corner. Nanashka celebrates that drop kick by climbing up to the top rope and doing a backflip off of the top rope. But as soon as Nanashka's feet hit the ground from that backflip off of the top rope, Daisy charges and hits a pretty decent looking one legged drop kick from behind that sends Nanashka crashing and burning into the corner uh, turnbuckle. Nanachka then finally get recovers and responds with a, a drop kick of her own back to Daisy. We see Daisy doing a running big boot to Nanachka, uh, gives her a big boot to the gut, and then picks her up for a big scoop body slam. Daisy does a try a monkey flip attempt, uh, but Nanachka is able to block uh, that monkey flip attempt, and she ends up doing a pinfall attempt with, but Daisy ends up kicking out. Both ladies are now out on the floor. We see Daisy, Irish Whip, Nanachka into the glow pillar. And so the drywall on the glow pillar with the advertisement just shatters and gets destroyed. We see an impressive looking bump that Nanachka takes where Nanachka had climbed back onto the, the ring, uh, the ringside apron. And Daisy caught her and gave her a snap nair where she ends up doing a front flip bump off of the apron to the floor. We see Daisy do an Irish whip that ends up ramming Nanachka hard into the corner post. We see a very unique bump where Nanachka is climbing back up onto the apron uh, to try to escape Daisy. Daisy follows after her and ends up basically tossing Nanachka from the apron, standing by the corner turnbuckle, over the turnbuckle and kind of almost like a backflip, causing her to stumble backwards over the turnbuckle onto the floor on the other side right after that bump we see from the in the background uh major tanya ends up doing a run-in and attacks daisy and there's no referee call and the commentary is trying to sell it off that the referee's confused and thinking that the other blonde in the ring is actually nanachka but of course, it's super obvious it's major tanya major tanya does an irish whip and does a back body drop onto daisy Tanya ends up kneeling on Daisy to celebrate that she's, you know, kind of 
I don't know if it was more like she was mimicking Nanachka, maybe, or just celebrating that, you know, she's helping Nanachka overcome. But Nanachka is actually none too happy with Tanya's interference. And the Russian ladies start actually brawling back and forth with each other to the point where Nanachka gets the upper hand and sends Tanya over the top rope by hitting her with a drop kick from behind, sending Tanya over the top rope onto the floor. Daisy takes advantage of what is now kind of like a distraction because Nanachka is focusing on Tanya, hits a big body slam onto Nanachka. Uh, Nanachka ends up eventually recovering and does a big football punt to Daisy's forehead. Nanachka hits a standing vertical suplex, kind of Davy Boy Smith style here, onto Daisy. It was actually pretty impressive because Daisy being 6'2", Tall girl, thick girl too. Nanachka was able to muscle her up and do a decent looking standing vertical suplex. Nanachka wraps up her legs and straddles over for a jackknife pin and celebrates with a big one, two, three pinfall victory. Your winner and still glow champion, Nanachka. Or is she? Um, I, the big thing is end of the match of course uh i will say because i've gotten tanya and Nachka confused during their tag matches so i can give that a little bit to a point but i i also don't think for in the match what educator already called and post match here i don't think tanya did enough in this match i don't think she went far enough i think she should have interfered more i think she should have been more of a distraction I think she should have beat Daisy more. I think Daisy should have looked more competitive. She looked good, but she should have looked more competitive. And it really should have looked like Nanachka would have lost the match if not for Tanya. And it doesn't look that way. It looks like Tanya just comes out to interfere and help Nanachka out. But it doesn't change the course of any events here. They should have done a bigger job of Daisy looking too powerful, too intimidating, has Nanachka's number in this. And Tanya comes out with the save. And I think what happens next would have flowed better after that. Um, also, uh, for two episodes today, is this the only time that the uh, Styrofoam post is destroyed in these two episodes? It's like a spot I look forward to. It's just like seeing like Godiva's Bear Facts or Country Girl Dates. I'm looking for the post to be destroyed. I think it's the only time this week. So post-match, we end up seeing... A confrontation between Nanachka and Major Tanya. Nanachka gets on the microphone and is verbally berating Tanya, is very mad at the fact, saying that she doesn't need Tanya's help to cheat. She's proud of her Russian heritage. Uh, Tanya fires back, berating Nanachka that she's forgotten her true roots. She's forgotten how she's supposed to be. And then for some reason... Nanachka says, you know what? I'm just not having it anymore. And she says, I'm now officially abdicating the glow crown. Because even though this is the most prestigious crown and glow, I am the most prestigious coveted wrestler in the United States. And the crowd goes for a huge pop for this face turn. But why does she have to give up her championship to do the face turn? That's what I really don't understand. 
See, and that's what gets me, and that's why I was saying if Tanya was more of a factor for the match, you could have made it make sense. Notch could have could have said, "Thanks a lot, Tanya. Be gone with you. This is now a tainted title, and I will not hold a tainted title. I'm coming out here projecting that I am the best woman in Glow, and if I need help, then I'm not the best woman in Glow, and I don't deserve this." It's so easy. Would have flowed so much better here. I, I, is it the glow booking that we have problem with? Did Tanya drop the ball? If I, like I, I don't know. But when it does happen, the crowd's ready for it. The crowd is ready to embrace Nanashka. They've been doing it already, anyways. But they are thrilled for this. And this really is the like one of the few character um, arcs that yeah character arcs that we've seen. Like yeah. Just this one episode, and it's almost like it makes because she turns face, and almost like it makes the announcer a heel because yep. he's been going after the entire time. Yeah, absolutely, I agree. You know, so uh, no, I enjoyed it though. It's a, it's a, it's like I said, this episode is the best episode we've watched because there's actually like a story to it, right? Mm-hmm. Even if We're we ma- can pick flaws and and. And it's not as good as we think it is or not as good as it could be. At least there's something there. And that's one thing about Glow that I have been missing because I know we're not going to get a five-star classic match. Right. Like, give me a storyline. Give me something. We're making movies, pal. Yeah, that's right. So uh, we follow that up with a Don't Do Drugs PSA. Of course, with Hollywood, we get our Mirror Mirror on the Wall segment. And then we end with credits. Uh, Johnny C still broke and he's dealing with Mabel and Sarah for the third time tonight. And they're just getting camera time like no other. Making the most of their minutes. I mean, if I'm telling a story that takes place in the racist South, eventually I got to put certain people on camera, even though they're not good people. And uh, yeah, that does it for the episode. What you guys think? You guys, you both agree with me? This is the best episode we've seen. I, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's definitely lots of good stuff here. A lot of meat on the bone to really be able to, you know, dive into and and you know follow along and appreciate. Now I'm actually looking forward to next next week because I don't know where they go from here. I mean, are they going to do a tournament? Are they going to do a tournament? Battle a battle royal? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. It'll be it'll be fun to watch uh, to see how they're going to handle this. Is it going to be taken care of in that very next episode or is the way that everything's been edited? We've, we already talked about the lack of coherency that it seems to be the case with cut the cut and paste and just trying to make, you know, get the greatest variety of people on each episode every week. Um, who knows? And I honestly, I have not done any research. I don't have any background. I don't know the title history or, or what is to come. So I'm, I'm looking forward to watching the next episode. Um, I did end up ruining it for myself. I saw the title history. I'm still looking forward to it. So Kevin, you're out of this <laughs> educator. Where would you go? Who would you put the crown on next? Uh, cheapers. Um, I, I could see a weird, goofy swerve where uh, they end up putting it maybe on one of the farmer's daughters uh, or maybe Tulsa. Um, as I, I mean, to me, Tulsa just comes off as like a veteran in this, um, uh, a, a veteran in the group itself. 
I, I honestly, I don't know what the direction is going to be. Um, I, I, I do see a baby face, I guess, having the title, but I could be wrong. I agree with you because um, I am not aware of where this goes. I would agree with you on baby face. I was thinking like a Liberty was who I'm thinking. Liberty Lady Day. Well, you know, question. I'll stay out. Is there anyone that either of you would could say not a chance in hell? There's no way they would put title on this person. I don't see for any reason. I don't see them putting the belt on dementia. I mean, it would just be so like way off the wall for Mm -hmm. that character or Gremlina. Or Gremlin yeah. is not really a wrestler, though. I mean, right. No. Um, I'm trying to think. Okay, so pick a, a heel. If you had to pick another heel, who would you go with? Uh, Hollywood. In a heartbeat. Yeah. But, I mean, she just, you know. Uh, just... I would do like a big bad mama. Yeah. Give her the belt. Or, or maybe Beastie. I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the monster heel. I like that. I like that. Kevin, you don't get a say. I don't know. Why did you go good. ahead? Why did you ruin it? I didn't mean to. I was looking up something oh, else. I didn't was. mean to read the information about who the next champion's going to be. It said spoiler, and I clicked on it because I didn't want the link to spoil. I was trying to find the missing in your house matches, and I stumbled upon the glow. Ah, there it is. There it is. All right. I guess that's going to do it for us, guys, on this episode. Uh, educator, what do you want to say to the people out there? Hey, first and foremost, want to say thank every. I want to thank everyone for listening into our Thursday shows. Hot tag on Mondays as well. Please uh, give that a listen. By all means, please check out the Retro Network for all the different offerings that they have. Uh, good, big thank you to my two colleagues today. Great episode. I'm very much appreciative of uh, your guys' commentary and your deep dive, and especially in episode 12. Uh, and your perspective on things and uh, look forward to seeing what the plan is moving forward for next week with the crown. Yeah, and absolutely. I just want to say thank you for listening to us. Of course. Thank you. <laughs> That's all I got for you guys. Um, <laughs> of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Maddie Treats. Of course, that is at Maddie Treats. Thank you to the Retro Network. You guys have been awesome. Uh, thank you to our friends at, at Odds with Wrestling. Uh, thank you to all of the people listening. And Mr. Kevin Hellions. Why don't you take us up? All right. Thank you guys for another great show. Thank you to the Retro Network for hosting us. Thank you to whatever platform you are watching Glow On, whether it be Tubi, Pluto, or Amazon Prime Video. Thank you, Richard Reeder and Jason Gross, for our logos. You can follow us across the internet at TRN House Show. You can follow Matt online at Maddie Treats. You can follow me online at Masked Library, and MaskedLibrary.com is my home blog. Go ahead and check out the show notes for links to cool things like our Patreon page, our merchandise, and our social medias and guys I, I learned something this week okay do you know that horny walruses love Tupperware are you aware of this no because they are always looking for a tight seal You, sir, can see yourself <laughs> to the door. Good day, sir. I said good day, sir. It's 
from a kiss on a rose on a grave. <laughs> that kind of seal? Sure, why not? Yeah. Heidi Klum doesn't have them anymore, so Walrus may as well. I like it. This has been a presentation of the Retro Network.